Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Kollerbach. This is episode 379 with Benjamin Fulford, the former Asia Pacific Bureau Chief of Forbes magazine, and Eddie Bravo, uh, the frontman for 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> frontman? <laughs> the frontman, the lead singer. You know, you're a music guy. I'll try to use music references. Okay, okay. Um, I want to talk about narcissism and friendship. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of narcissists. Um, you know, I really hate them so much. And, I, you know, sometimes it's easy to know who your friends are sometimes. Um, because, but, you know, I'm in, in a weird situation. I, like the only time I met you, Eddie, I'm in, I'm in a very abused situation where I'm interning for Klaus Schwab Jr. I'm grabbing his spacesuit. You know, uh, I think Sam is weirded out by Klaus Schwab Jr. because he drinks and Sam's sober. But to be honest, I think Klaus Schwab Jr. hates himself, to be honest. That's why he does that. Um, So, Ben, uh, we're going to talk about Ben uh, and his relationship with Leo Zagami. And I just, as a friend from Jersey who's been in fistfights in high school, I got, you know, we'll we'll get into some drama that they had and and ben continues to say nice things about leo zagami and i'm i'm not down for that but i just want to say ben uh you know what he writes on benjaminfulford.net is mainstream 10 years later i mean on this podcast we talked about the dalai lama and what the dalai lama did to ben fulford personally and then the tongue sucking thing happened last week it's like he's so ahead of the curve and you know I, I hear Klaus Schwab Jr. gets a lot of information from Ben Fulford. Um, that's what I heard. That's a rumor. But I want to talk about billionaires. And in the comedy community, like, I don't want to start beefs with people, but I also want to have discernment. And I always talk shit on Jay Leno in my family. And my mom's like, oh, he's a nice man. He has $600 million. The reason why he has a dollar is because of Rodney Dangerfield. He lived in Rodney Dangerfield's house rent-free. He lived in Rodney Dangerfield's comedy club. He has $600 million. Rodney Dangerfield's comedy club in New York City just went bankrupt. The whole building that it resides in, it, the Rodney Dangerfield's is in the front. I've played that room before in the, you know, basement or, you know, the first floor. There's 18 apartments above it. I looked this up. The entire building is $3.4 million. He has $600 million, and Jay Leno, all he could do now is injure himself with his yuppie douchebag motorcycles. They, they, he, he burned his face with one. His big chin probably saved his eyes from uh, when a motorcycle exploded or there was a gas. In. And then he gets right out of the hospital from skin grafts in his castle with the drawbridge up. And then he gets on a motorcycle and he breaks his ribs. Like, he he can't think to help make it. Like, when I see that... a million building. I think artist commune. Hey, let's make an artist commune for the comics. He's too selfish to think about this, you know? Ben, you met some billionaires. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? What is with, why can't they see a communal, you know? Okay, no, look, the the, the billionaires I met, okay, were mostly self-made men. And what they had in common was that they had low uh, educational background. They're too busy trying to make money. And they they tend to be very intelligent and focused on one thing. So uh, the example I gave was this uh, Mr. Toribau from the Detour Coffee 
chain. All he thinks about is coffee, and that made him rich. And these guys are actually okay. They, 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 the first, the self-made billionaires who actually made money from business are fine. The problem is when you get second, third generation people, they're born with this incredible wealth that they did not earn. And that, and and what happens is they, there's only so many uh, delicious meals you can eat, so many beautiful women you can, you know, uh, spend the night with. And they get sensory overload. And they so they start looking for something extra. And so they go for like, okay, I want like a 15 year old or uh, and, and that leads them to entrapment into things that, uh, such as participating in a child sacrifice or something like that, which then makes them blackmailable and malleable. So I'd say the problem is with second, third generation or, or, or older uh, wealth. People just born into all this stuff who are then targeted for a this, by this international blackmail network. Um. Now but, I got a question. Yeah, what do you think? What What are your thoughts on Trump? Is he legit trying to fight the deep state, or is he part of the deep state, just playing good cop, bad cop? I, you know, if you look at the history, uh, when Trump was a businessman, he went bankrupt uh, each time he was bailed out by the Rothschilds. This is public record. Uh, However, what I heard from my own direct sources, and this is, uh, there, were, there was a meeting in Antarctica on November 8th, 2016, where they offered him to become president. They offered to cover up anything they had against him. And that Trump tried really hard to drain the swamp, uh, but he was unable to reach a deal with the rest of the world uh, and avoid the bankruptcy of the United States Corporation. So he went into hiding in Mount Xi'an after December or January 2020. And the Trump who appeared later is a lookalike who had a totally different agenda, who was working for a totally different group of people, the, the Rockefellers, basically. You can tell that because every everything he said was working for their agenda, pushing vaccines, uh, et cetera. So I think that Trump is like Batman. And you have different directors trying to use the Batman character for their own interests. So my understanding was there were two Trumps. And recently, again, from these sources, uh, the original is back. And uh, I wish him the best. But he clearly, he, he's a front man for large uh, power groups. Why are they, why does it seem, why does it seem like the deep state, Hollywood, the intelligence agencies, Everybody is after him. They completely smeared him. If he was part of it, why would they do that? Uh, they need what, well, like I say, uh, he, the establishment itself is not a monolith. There are actually people, billionaires and whether, whatever, who are patriots who want to make America great again, who really do want this. Uh, but there are also these um, psychopaths who want to kill 90% of the population. So I would have to say that uh, there's two dimensions to this, okay? The real Trump is attacked because he's a genuine threat to them. The fake Trump is attacked a little bit because they need to, you know, find a an outlet for the people who are dissatisfied. They, they want to create a, what they call controlled opposition. So there was a controlled opposition Trump since 2020. I think he's now being removed. And then there's a real opposition, Trump, who represents a faction of the mega rich uh, who do want to, you know, make America great again. So it's it's I know it's difficult to understand, but it's like 
you have uh, two different, uh, it's like world championships. You have, uh, you know, two different leagues, each with their own world champion. It's something like that. Okay. So you're saying there's two different Trumps that cloned? Is that what's going on? How, they look exactly the same and talk the same. Well, not if you go back to like 2019, if they haven't scrubbed this from the internet, you'll see that one out of every three press conferences, Trump appeared with Melania and he looked pretty fit. And then two out of three, he had loose jowls and white around the eyes. And my sources in the NSA tell me that this was an actor hired to fill in the press conferences so the real Trump could play golf and do other things rather than spend all his time doing these duties. And and, and that guy took over after the real Trump went into hiding in Mount Xi'an in 2020. And you can see they're different. Now, though, what I'm hearing is that the original is back. I know it's kind of confusing, but you just got to remember, it's like you have more than one actor playing Batman. But check it for yourself. Go back and, and look at the, and you can see there, there were, in 2019, there were two different Trumps. And you even have... Um, Trump threatening to sue the actor for identity theft in early 2020. Where's where can I where can I find that proof? Uh this is something I read. I'd, I'd have to go and see if it, it's still on the internet. But I, I remember this very clearly that there, there was an attempt, uh, you know, uh, a lawsuit by Trump, uh, you know, uh, against the efforts to steal his image. And what do you think? Hmm. What do you think about Elon Musk? Is is he a is that he got doubles and stuff too? Yeah, there's pictures of uh, a rubber mask, you know, uh, Elon Musk. And I think what's happening there is that for security reasons, they they get a, an actor to go in in situations where his life might be in danger to, to read the script. Um, but my understanding of Elon Musk is that he represents DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And, and he's kind of their most piece. And I've also heard that he's a the son of the Nazi rocket scientist uh, Werner von Braun. Oh, um, where did one, you hear that? Uh, I, I have sources in the CIA and Mossad, uh, etc., and it was the CIA group that told me this. Well, I, re I remember um, when the UFC put out their video game. They a lot of the fighters were arguing because a piece of the contract was image rights in perpetuity so you know like john fitch you know he didn't want to be in the ufc video game when that came out because he didn't want his image to be owned by a video game company for the uses the perpetual use of re, re you know it's kind of tricky territory but i think the usa bankrupt corporation they own the image rights of their slaves in perpetuity the cabal own so for them they they have legal ease we're not under the constitution anymore and so the legalese is oh you are you've signed in blood oaths and drank blood at bohemian grove cool now we own your image forever so even if joe biden died and this is, goes back to narcissistic personality disorder the dnc has narcissistic personality disorder bernie smashed hillary in the 2016 primary they get in front of court and say no we we it's a private club we get to pick they put they pop hillary in there and then they're surprised when she loses but you know going with this image rights in perpetuity um they own the image of joe biden and just even though he loses and gets smashed they put him out there because he's their usa corp image right in perpetuity slave that's why you have to bankrupt the usa corp in and of itself it's the only answer 
the United States needs to restore uh, democracy and go away from privately owned corporate governance, which is what you have now. Um, and the other way in which I understand that bullies operate is incrementalism. Like Ben brought my attention to this character called Cass Sunstein, who developed this strategy of nudge, the nudge principle. So um, they couldn't mandate jabs. So what they did was they nudged coercion. Oh, well, maybe you'll use your job, even though we don't have the right to constitutionally. Oh, well, maybe, you know, you can't see grandma. Oh, maybe we'll be passive aggressive to you in the grocery store. That's Cass Sunstein's nudge technique. And I think that's how all bullies operate. I'm sure in the jujitsu league, someone comes in and they're like a complete asshole and they're trying they're like oh no i don't have to pay my dues i know people i don't have to do this like people bullies nudge these aren't bullies these are manipulators bullies just threaten okay uh <laughs> these are manipulators and and they, these these people have been running uh human slavery uh outfits for literally thousands of years they're experts on this they have a, a method they they get the most influential people and they make them part of their club. They kill people who don't go along with the agenda, bribe them or mock them, depending. It's it's a very sophisticated system that literally has been around for thousands of years. I call it Babylonian debt slavery. It's also known as Satanism. Have um, any uh, disreputable manipulators come through 10th Planet? And how, do, how does the jiu-jitsu community deal with bullies and manipulators they don't survive i mean what happens because jujitsu is not about talking it's about it's 100 percent physical so the, unless you know unless you're this god of jujitsu that you're always winning you, you gotta keep you know you gotta um stay in your lane and be self-aware because it's just uh, you, you get you get in line and you know what where you're at in line Everybody knows where they're at in line. Like the kids in jujitsu, they never talk. They they just know their line because jujitsu physically you line up and you prove daily where you are in line, and you know where you're at in line. You know, some people don't like that. They most people just run from that. They don't want to. Uh, you know, they'd rather have rather be in a room with people that don't know where they're at, and they have to like uh, puff their chest and 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 say stupid insecure shit because they don't know where they're at and they're they they do not want to be dominated but um when when you do jujitsu for a period of time uh it, it it brings um a sense of confidence you know uh, you know knowing you know just knowing that if anything happened anything went wrong in the room that the odds are in favor that you're going to be all right uh that brings um something else to the table in business, friendships, any kind of interaction that has nothing to do with jujitsu. Just knowing that you can't, you know, if shit hit the fan, you know, you're not going to be the one that's sleeping, pissing their pants. It, 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 it helps in all aspects of life. You know, um, I, I agree that with, with something like a martial art, you, you confront people head on. There's no manipulating stuff. And these people never go to your face. Uh, you know, so for example, I was going to appear in this radio show in New Zealand and see people call them up, the, the, the show host saying, oh, Benjamin Fulf is a disinformation agent. You shouldn't talk to him, right? But they would never 
call me a liar to my face because that's what they're doing. They go behind my back and they don't go to your face because they know then you can you can say, hey, what lie did I tell? Otherwise, I'm getting you for slander. Uh, and that's why these people always go behind your back. They're not martial artists. They're not warriors. And, and the way to get them is to go straight at them. Yeah. And every morning, I, sorry, every morning I work in a boxing gym and it's hilarious when people come in with bluster and credentials and then they spar and they get beat up. It's hilarious to me. Um, I told you this in a green room, uh, Eddie Bravo, that like when I was in New Orleans, this comic called Andrew Polk ruined the scene from his ego, from his manipulation. And I challenged him to roast battle. And then he moved to Los Angeles and he came back a loser. And I was like, I, where were you guys when I called this six years ago? I would beat that guy. Uh, in you, roast. You, do you do you roast battle on the regular? Uh, I haven't in a minute, but I, I used to run it when I lived in New Orleans. I ran a roast battle out of the Lonnie Wee Comedy Theater. That sounds that sounds fun. <laughs> but um, if if I were to roast battle or Muay Thai kickbox, Andrew Polk, it would not be competitive. Um, what else do I want to say? Oh, let's talk about Leo Zagami, Ben, because you know, you're you're kind of Canadian and nice, you know, like a South Park character. Oh, hey, everyone's my buddy, buddy. You know what I mean? But then Leo Zagami, he came to Tokyo with his girlfriend. Tell me when I'm lying. And then they went to go see a DJ in Tokyo at a dance festival. Uh, okay, let me let me let me tell you the story. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I first contacted these Asian secret societies and they offered me protection, he flew straight out. Uh, to Tokyo to meet me. He said he represented uh, the Illuminati and the, the people who control the, uh, the Vatican. Uh, and But he brought this girlfriend with him, right? And uh, they said that after um, he left, he, she was going to go to Okinawa to, do, uh, to help this guy with this uh, music concert. And then she phones me up and said, the guy said, I have to have sex with him or, or else I can't work. And I, I told her, look, just get out of there, fly back to Tokyo. Anyway, the point is that uh, they were trying to entrap me. They were trying to get me to uh, go after this person. It was uh, the whole thing she later told me was an attempt to entrap me. And he did this in various different ways. Uh, that was what he was ordered to do. Uh, but, you know, um, if you're a journalist, okay, you have to be a little bit like uh, the, what the, the Japanese call an eight-directional beauty. You have to show a nice face to everybody because otherwise you don't get your information. So even though he came after me, tried to entrap me, and then when I went to Italy to meet the, uh, the Black Sun people, again, they tried to poison me. Nonetheless... I still keep friendly relations with these people because uh, I need to, you know, they represent important, powerful uh, groups and I need to keep that communication channel open. But, you know, uh, so Leo Zagami was sent to me with a malicious agenda, but I think that, you know, as Jiu-Jitsu does, you take their attack and you use it against them. Uh, and I think we were able to turn the situation around that way. Hmm. That, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, you know, you don't get in information if if you mm, confront. And and that's what I experienced. I sent Leo Zagami for the Highway Diary podcast a list of questions. He went on his own YouTube and did my questions in order because he didn't want 
a follow-up question if he said some bullshit. He wanted to put his own narrative, so he filmed himself doing my questions. And I just think he's a vampire of creative effort. He ate a baby for Satan, and he talked shit on my friend in one of his books. So that's three strikes. When I'm from Jersey, you know, three strikes. I'm sorry, man. We're we're fighting. We're enemies. I I, I think diplomacy can be a, a level of cowardice when people are taking ground on you. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to stand your ground, and if people cross a line, you got to defend yourself to whatever necessary level, up to and including killing them, if that's the only way to stop them from killing you. But uh, it's always better to, you know, the, the, the true martial artist wins a fight by never fighting. Well, yeah. Um, that did happen in the boxing gym the other day. Someone didn't want to sign in. And I'm like working there. I'm like, hey, can you sign in? And he's like, oh, I already talked to the front office. I go, okay, we'll sign in, please. And he goes, listen, we don't, why don't you go kick the heavy bag? I was like, he's like, why don't you go kick the heavy bag? And stop talking to me. I was like, no, everyone has to sign in. It's like legal, like for our insurance, it's just what has to happen. And then um, he huffed off. And the other coach said that I was a bitch because I didn't tell him to get in the ring with me. But, you know. I didn't have to fight him, and he just walked off in a huff. <laughs> it's just like that, I, I've never, I've never been so mad um, in the gym before. Um, well, we it seems like we lost Eddie. Maybe his battery died. It seemed like he was on his cell phone. Um, I want to talk. You confronted um, Mr. Heizu Takanaka, who is the finance minister of Japan. You confronted him with evidence that um, he had sold uh, the foreign exchange. Here he is. Um, you he so Heizu Takanaka, the finance minister of Japan. You you found out that he sold Japan's resources to the cabal, and then had, you confronted him. Yeah, he handed over control of all of Japan's listed corporations to a group of hedge funds like State Street and Banking, whatever that were controlled by the people like the Rockefellers. This is when I first really encountered these people, and I asked, you know, he. he, he when I confronted him with this, I then got, this is when I, all these weird things started to happen. I got invited to join this um, group that said that uh, they would make me finance minister, it'd make me very rich, but I had to go along with a plan to kill 90% of humanity. Uh, and then I got, you know, uh, offered protection. You know, this is where I got involved in all these weird secret society type stuff. But yeah, what happened was, Japan got blackmailed with earthquake weapons into handing over control of all their listed corporations to hedge funds that turned out to be owned by the Rockefellers and Rothschilds. And that's the where uh, the actual forensic trail led to me to these people. I don't get my information secondhand or thirdhand. I get it straight from the source. And the source, you know, this is what happened. And that's how I got involved. And then Heizu Takanaka, the finance minister of Japan, showed up drunk in public, slurring his words, and then he died or was killed? What happened? With that? This was a, a different finance minister. Uh, what happened was they had one of these G7 whatever meetings where they are saying that um, Japan was going to offer $100 billion for something, and the Japanese finance minister said, no, he's not going to pay for it. And then he was going to have a press conference where he's going to say, hey, we're not going to hand over money to these people. And they drugged him. And he, he so he had this weird slurred press conference. 
went back to Japan, was forced to resign, and he was killed like a, a few months later. That's what they do. They, uh, you know, this is where you actually run into these people firsthand. They really do stuff like that, and they've tried to kill me. I don't know how many times now. You know, it's just, these are serious people. So, um, but you always have hope. And I read an article on this podcast before where someone said that you're a hopium salesman, a hope artist. But it's like, if you don't have hope, what are we just going to give up and and announce no, our slavery? I don't, I don't just deal with hope. We actually go after these bastards and we get them. We are winning. We're going to get them. They're going to go to jail or be removed from control of the planet Earth. It's a done deal. And what gives you the confidence to say that? What do you? What's going on behind the scenes? Just look at the international situation. Eighty-five percent of the world's nations have turned against them: Russia, China, Brazil, uh, Indonesia, Turkey, Europe. Everybody is dumping them. It's just obvious now. You, basically, right now, the United States is the heart of darkness, and uh, that's going to end soon. It's just—it's there. I mean, it's, it's just look at the world, and you can see it's happening. It, what's happening? That people are waking up? The whole world is saying, the hell with the uh, secret cabal that controls the United States. We don't want them uh, controlling us and turning this world into a, a giant animal farm. Do the Freemasons run everything? Are they the most powerful? Uh, Freemasons are like different denominations of churches okay they're not a monolith there's different groups but basically they were used traditionally as a social control mechanism by monarchs by absolute monarchs so you have the scotch Rite freemasons who report to the british royal family you have the grand lodge the orient freemasons who report to the sort of french rothschilds you have there's different factions. They're not a monolith, but they're but they're what happens is they take these people who are very influential, either they're uh, famous writers or actors or billionaires or politicians. They they make this little club and then they meet informally in secret. And because they're so influential, the decisions they make behind closed doors become what you see in a newspaper months or years later. But they're not—they're not a uni single unity, right? That's what you need to understand. Which—which which means what? That, that you're, you're making that point just to say that they fight amongst each other and they don't agree with each other there sometimes. Was, there was under David Rockefeller Senior, they were almost all under a single umbrella. Now there are different factions duking it out. That's what's happening now. They're fighting behind the scenes. Yeah. Now, um. Uh, what about the Jesuits? How do they come into this? Like uh, Jesuits, is that like a myth or is that for real? No, no, no. The Jesuit. I went to Sophia University, which is a Jesuit university. I'm not a Jesuit, but uh, they they were set up as a military force to fight for their version of Christianity. So I think of the Jesuits like a sword, and it depends who's wielding whether they do good work or bad. Uh, are they with the Freemasons? Are they one and the same? Or are they intertwined? No, no, they're like a, a different faction all of their own. But they, you know, the, at a high level, they start all, you end up with the same characters, you know. They go to the same parties in the same islands? No, some do, some don't. Like I say, it's not all, uh, um, the, the Jesuits I met actually had taken vows of poverty. They wore secondhand clothing. They lived in shabby apartments. Uh but you know, uh, cold that's low level, though, right? Mm -hmm. 
that's low level. Like they say, the low level. Yeah, yeah. Are like, good people, and they ha they have no idea. Uh, well, of like the, okay, the activity. Yeah, the NSA has a recording of the former head of the uh, Jesuits, Peter Hans Kolzenbach, saying, bragging after the uh, Fukushima attack on Japan, that he was Satan's representative on Earth. We actually have the, the NSA actually has a recording of him saying this. He was then removed, and then a different Jesuit head came on who said, no, no, I represent Christ. Who knows, you know, but it, it what happens is that these are highly centrally controlled uh, organizations. And if you don't obey, you get killed. And if the person at the top is evil, then the whole organization starts doing that. So that's why I, when I talk about fighting these people, it's like you're fighting an octopus. You don't go after the arm. You go straight for the head. You, I, I saw a video on Rumble that Eric sent me uh, with you and Robert David Steele. It's like a 15-minute video. Um uh, and that are you familiar with the video? There's a lot of Robert David Steele videos, but there's a video where he's he's like um, he's in a room with a bunch of people at a table, and it's it's kind of official, kind of official like um, whistleblower type official. And he's he basically said a lot of things, but one thing he said when when NASA came up, he kind of chuckled and said, "We know that NASA mean really means not." a space agency and he also said in the same breath that nasa is the biggest mind control agency of uh, the government uh and and you know when you start looking into um like warner von braun he was the director of the moon missions you know a lot of people think they faked them i did i mean when you look at the evidence you're like oh my god this is retarded and it's a it's a former nazi who's directing the moon missions for NASA and the Nazis taken from Operation Paperclip. Are you aware of Operation Paperclip? I mean, we, I mean, is this correct or not? Operation Paperclip, we brought a bunch of Nazi scientists after the war into our intelligence and they created CIA, they created NSA and all the, and what's weird is all the astronauts that supposedly went to the moon that faked going to the moon, they're all Freemasons. How weird is that? Like, what do you think about all that? Yeah, you know, there, there's something definitely, um, I, I think the, uh, Elon Musk is apparently the son of uh, Werner von Braun, and he said... That's you know, crazy, I never heard of that, but I, that wouldn't surprise me. And, but he said there is no escaping from the Matrix. I think these guys really did try to get off the planet with rockets, and then something stopped them. Uh, but in the meantime, there's so much money to be made that they started, you know, the, I've also heard from direct sources like, the Pentagon um, Psychic Warfare Division, the men who stare at goats type people. That, so direct sources told me NASA did stand for not a space agency. And the evidence is overwhelming is that they're just a film studio uh, sucking away huge amounts of money from the American people. Nineteen uh, bi $19 billion a year. And they have nothing to show for it. Was, I forget who else was saying it. Someone else, another whistleblower saying the difference between NASA and all other government agencies, the biggest difference is they get billions of dollars a year in their budget and they're not required to have anything to show for it. They don't like they could say, hey, we need we need two billion for this. And we're going to we're going to try to do an experiment in, in space. And there's never any it, it, they just take the yeah. money. Well, so that's like, why. I, I, 
It's supposedly the biggest money laundering agency in the government. They're just stealing everything. And then they probably save like $500 million for the fake green screen bullshit. They're like faking they're on a, on a fucking ISS. That shit's so fake. That's the fakest fucking stupidest shit. They, they, their numbers, their numbers, they're saying that that, that International Space Station is going 14,000 miles an hour. You can't even see that shit. How do you, how do you dock on something that's going... 14,000 miles and how do you dock on something that's going a thousand miles I mean I know they do it I've seen planes like in the air I don't know maybe they're going 500,000 miles and they're, they're refueling but man that shit's shaky they're saying they're docking on some ship that there's no video footage of, of them making it launching it it just appeared in space and they got and there's there's video footage you could see on YouTube of like the head of NASA in front of Congress begging for money. They're like, hey, we need another 500 million because we need we need to we need to uh, go to the space station and drop off some cargo. So we're going to need he's begging for money. And then this congressman yeah. goes, the congressman goes, oh, OK, OK, so OK. So what are you doing after that? Are we going to back to the moon? Or and then the guy's like, uh, you know, what do you mean? What are we doing next? He goes, yeah, what are you doing next? We goes, well, next we got to go to the International Space. And he goes, okay, what's after that? Not that. After that, what's next? The moon? Fucking Mars? What? He goes, well, first we need to go to the International Space Station four times. And he goes, after that. They're arguing. He goes, after that. What are you doing after? Going to the moon? He goes, well, we're going to try to go to the moon. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, a mouse. It's right, the movie The Wizard of Oz, right? You pull aside the curtain and the whole thing's fake. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting when the U.S. corporation goes bankrupt. And and knock on wood, it's going to happen in June. This will finally happen. But all this stuff is going to come out. And, and people are going to be shocked. And their minds are going to be blown. But at the end of the day, what's happening is a giant parasite is going to be taken out of the U.S. body politic. And suddenly... Everything's going to be much healthier and happier. But yeah, I'd love to, I, I, I'm looking forward to the day when uh, police raid NASA and, and you start seeing all the lies and, and the fakery. Uh, it's going to be really interesting when, when all this blows up. And it is blowing up. Uh, but Yeah, the, the crazy thing is, I don't know if you know this, but sat, uh, satellites have been on balloons this whole time. They never were in space. In the in the fifties, they did put satellites on balloons, like big helium balloons. That's how they did reconnaissance and whatever on balloons. And it was not a secret. There's you could watch video after video, fifties uh, video launching uh, satellites on big balloons off um, Navy warships and shit. And then in the sixties, they said, "Damn, if we put them in space, it'll be better, but it's going to cost five hundred million. So they thought, "Let's make more money." And, and pretend we're putting them in space. They never they never went to space. You can't float shit out there. They've always been on balloons and it's coming out. It's been coming out the last 10 years. So now they've had a, 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 a push as, and they, they, they're making these documentaries where the new satellites are gonna be put on balloons. It's just so much more economical and they're gonna get internet to everybody for free. So they're making all these videos that that's the new way. It's so much cheaper if we just put them on balloons. They've always been on balloons. It's uh, the, the, the International Space Station is on a fucking balloon. It's, it's this, so people say, oh, look, you can see it in the sky. 
Yeah, if, if it was real, it was really in space, you wouldn't be able to see it with your fucking naked eye. That's too fucking far. You can't see that far. You could barely see, you could barely see a plane uh, 35,000 feet in the air with the naked eye. Yeah, and this shit is like fucking, you know, 20 times higher and you're going to see it? Come on, it's bullshit. If you, if every, it's always been on balloons. You can go on YouTube. They have all these documentaries. They're showing you how they do it on balloons. And they're showing you how the military is doing it on balloons. They got satellites. All the military satellites, they're on balloons. And th there's massive video. They don't, they don't even, sh they've never had on video a space satellite. It's all CGI shit. It's all like NASA's complete, complete mind yeah. control, money laundering pit. That's what that is. It's not just NASA, of course. I mean, the, the, the real... Uh nest of it all is the federal reserve board where basically they put a number in a computer and say or a bunch of numbers and say okay here's a trillion dollars and then they suck it up from everybody so you have this huge look i i think that if you take back all the money that was stolen from the american people through this central bank fraud creating money out of nothing literally you could give every single man woman and child in the united states like $400,000 saying, here, sorry, this is the money we stole. We're giving it back to you. Just yeah. like that. That's what the yeah. sort of thing that happened. We finally bankrupt these bastards, put them out of business, and turn off their whole matrix. And that's what we got to do. Now, what's what? getting like, who who has to be president for that to happen? Uh, maybe, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's going to be someone we didn't expect. Uh, just like well, the Russians suddenly got this Putin guy who was re representing the Orthodox Christian Church, I think it's going to be someone uh, who's not on our radar, but it might be someone like Kennedy Jr. I don't know. That's going to be up to the American people, but I, I think it's going to be someone uh, It's not who's not part of the system right now. That's my best guess. But first, we got to... It seems like the whole it seems like the whole system is totally against Trump. So it's hard for me to believe that he's part of the system right now because they want to destroy that motherfucker. Yeah, I think... I mean, unless that's I, fake. Unless that's fake. I think Trump really did try. And, and I think the problem with Trump was that, you know, the rest, he didn't make a deal with the rest of the world. He could only, you know, and that's what uh, he couldn't get financing from the rest of the world to keep this whole show going. And that's what happened with Trump. And I think maybe this time around uh, he can finish the job. We'll see. But uh, certainly a lot of people are hoping that he will be the guy to drain the swamp. Let's see. The jury's out. It's going to he's got to prove it with actions, not words. Um, a lot of people are saying DeSantis is a deep state puppet uh, controlled opposition. What do you think, DeSantis? Well, you know, uh, he went to Israel and did some stuff that made a lot of people say, what the hell? Uh, I don't know. I Like I said, I don't want to get too deep into U.S. politics because I get in. I don't follow it too much because I think the whole thing is just theater. And and I'm trying to go after the, the, the theater directors, you know, but uh uh, recently, there's been a lot of question marks uh, coming up around him. But again, I'm not really that qualified, except I think that you need to unplug the whole thing, fire everybody and start fresh, like completely, just like reboot the whole thing. That's my view. Wasn't that, isn't that considered the Great Reset, though? No, that, the that Great Reset was an attempt to um, turn us all into digital slaves with a number that controls our lives. That's the mark of the beast system. That's totally different. That was a, a centralized control by the Satanists. This is where they turned the planet into a giant animal farm. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about, which is uh, removing that entire control grid. Klaus Schwab, he must, 
I mean, for sure he goes to all the parties. He goes to the islands. For sure all that shit. What is his background? What is his story? He's got to be like a, some kind of Rockefeller Rothschild or, or some kind he's of actually descended. He's actually uh, descended both from the Rothschilds and Karl Marx. The communist. For real? Yeah, for real. He he is a he's like communist uh, god king from, from you know and then communism is a is a sort of satanic control where this little secret group controls your rice bowl you don't do what they say you don't get to eat this is the kind of thing that these people are uh, into. One thing I know about Freemasonry, speaking of these topics, is what you do in the first level is you you have wear a blindfold and you're led. And they put a sword to your throat. And at that moment, it's you are theirs. It is up to them to kill you or let you live. You so and every and what's most important about Freemasonry is like Scientology. You know, they believe that if you learned OT level three, Xenu and the volcano, if you learn that as an OT one, if you learn OT three, you'd get pneumonia and die. And just in this way, you are blind to the next level of Freemasonry. So if you're a Scottish Rite level 13, you are forbidden to know what is Scottish Rite level 14. After you're initiated into that, then they will. So you're always blind. And so you always look up to your master. And it's just like this fraternity of compliance. And they lie to you and say that they will give you enlightenment. They will not. They will make you their slave. And you're. Yeah, I, I met these people, okay? And they, they have the, the symbols like either two keys or three keys. So basically, so you're a god king, you're a Babylonian god king. So what do you need to do? You need to control, one key is the food supply. So you control the warehouses and, and if they don't do what you say, you don't give them their uh, rice bowl or in this case, their dollar, uh, you know, uh, bowl. And then the other key is the military guy. You If they if you don't, they don't obey you, you kill, they kill you. Uh, you know, they, you beat them up. So, Control the food and control the 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 strong arm people, the military, and then you control society, and then and then from there it goes down to different levels and compartmentalization, and then everybody's trained to work inside a box. Inside the box, they they have great power. Uh, so if you're a customs guy, you can decide whether or not to stamp the passport. But outside that box, they don't know nothing. They can't do anything. That's how it's structured. And just like uh, I think about all the PhDs of astrophysics who are who are who are given their degree by their state captor, and then you know, then NASA budget keeps blowing up every year. You know, you know the, the reason why most billionaires aren't highly educated is because what happens is that if you spend like you know all your like first thirty years of your life having this information uh, just pumped into your brain, stuffing it full, stuffing it full, you end up with carbon copies you can just interchange them they've all had the same data put in it's like different computers with the same software inside them uh and they they make perfect high level slaves but they're they're being trained uh to only uh think in a very narrow focused way and then it's a, it's an amazing system of brainwashing it really is so um eddie is into the flat earth theory and i think that's where he was going with all the weather balloons is like what is it you you've used this word mercantile projection what is your view of what what is this what is the matrix what is this ben and what is the mercantile projection can you explain that word to me yeah this they want to what they do is they made the uh, the the earth is uh they make it look on they want to put it on a flat map but what they did was they 
make the North look way bigger than it really is to make the, the Europeans seem a lot stronger than they really are. Uh, Russia and Canada are a lot smaller than they look at on that map. Now, I've personally flown around the world, so I know it's round. And if you go to the top of Mount Everest or if you're in a ship, you can see the curve and the horizon. So my understanding of the flat earth business is that it's a CIA a psyops, uh, but you know there's clearly something going on because we are not allowed to leave the earth. There's some kind of barrier. Uh, so when Elon Musk makes these rockets and they get blown up, it's like we're locked into something. It's like, I think the a better example is that we're in like some kind of video game, Super Mario, and we try to get outside the game and we run to this barrier because we're stuck inside this matrix. So I think it's a better a way of thinking is that we're inside, we're inside some kind of digital construct. But personally, I, I've, since I've flown around the world, I know it's not flat. Sorry about that. Well, you, you can't. How did you fly around the world? Did you fly over the Antarctic or the Arctic Circle? How did you fly? Because I, I flew I, like from the Pacific to Europe and the North America and back across. So around. Yeah, the, you could do that. You, you could do that on a on a flat earth. Uh, like it doesn't have to be round to do it. You could. It's like all you got to do is look at it. You just you just drive. You just you just go flat earth. Where'd you go? New York to London? Where, what two cities did you go to? I went from uh, like Tokyo to okay. uh, London, okay, to Toronto to Vancouver, okay. Tokyo okay. again. All you do, all you do is like this. You just go Tokyo to London to pa 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 to pa pa pa. You don't have to go in a circle. No flight has ever gone gone uh, north to south. They all go north to, to east, east to west, west. west oh, no, I've flown from Canada to Argentina too. Okay, but anyway, let's not get into that. The, the point is that uh, they are lying to us about a lot of stuff. And once we take away their control of money, we'll find out the truth about everything. So I'm running out of time here, folks. So any last things you want to talk about? Uh, all gotta... right. Well, let's uh, let's leave the flat earth for another time. I, I found this clip. Now, I, I'm into cultures, and I I, th I think that, you know, one culture, uh, you know, we have certain laws in Texas about marriage and certain laws in California about Texas, uh, about marriage, and this is in my stand-up special. One thing I noticed about the Japanese people is they are very much more sexually liberated with their media than us and what i want to do is show um share my screen now now this is a, a a typical japanese game show like normal japanese game show and the guy's doing karaoke while while he's being masturbated and you would not see this in america and what is what does this do to the culture <laughs> what is uh you said uh you told Carrie Cassidy that there's a, a cartoon porno series called Rape Man in Tokyo. What is going on with with the? Uh, is it sexual liberation in Tokyo, or is it how is how does that extrapolate they, to the culture? You know, they don't have this whole Judeo Christian uh, control root over it, but they they just look at it as a natural function, like eating or or anything else, and they don't have a lot of uh taboos around it but the the big taboo is of course they still you know rape is illegal here and anything what's non-consensual is is uh not allowed but otherwise they don't have a lot of hang-ups it's just something you do like uh, you know like eating a nice meal they don't they don't make a big deal about it yeah you so they think that the tap making it taboo makes it worse because well 
trying to control it and and uh it's like they're trying to control slave breeding you know um if you look at the anthropological okay let, this is something i did want to mention if you look at the uh, anthropological record they've studied like literally thousands of societies around the world you find that they all have polygamy okay and that there that means that there's a certain amount of men who are left out they don't they can't find a wife and the percentage of men who are gay is about equal to the percentage of men who can't find a wife because of polygamy and this keeps these people from being they, they have an outlet for their uh, frustration and that keeps them from being antisocial and and this seems to be uh how the natural order works if you look at the data um but what's happening in the west is that they're they're trying to uh, forbid any kind of sex that produces children and actively promote sex that does not produce children because they're trying to depopulate us. Um, so the bottom line is that, uh, you know, there is some kind of evolutionary uh, adaptation to non-reproductive sex, but the big, the big one is reproductive sex, and that is being actively suppressed and we need to get back to making babies. That's the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, I'm going to leave you with that. I've got to go. I've got a lot okay, of Okay, Ben. I'll nice stay on with Eddie for just Thank a moment. Thank you, man. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Hope to meet you in person someday. Bye for now. Me too, man. See ya. Okay, bye, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, Eddie, I want to talk to you about this last uh, question I, I have uh, off the list. Did you... You went through a phase. People go through phases where you were into death metal hardcore death metal you wanted to be you know a rock star and get girls and you know whatever whatever live that whole life you have now settled down with a uh, wife and kids was there what was the thing for you where you realized that that was important not to go dark side and to go towards the light well i was single strategically from the age of 30 to 40 um i decided at 30 you know because I was like, man, I'm supposed to be a rock star and it still hasn't happened. Maybe it's because I always have a goddamn girlfriend hold me down. So at 30, I say, you know what? No more girlfriends. I got to do whatever it takes to not have a girlfriend and focus on my career. And, um, you know, dude, I, through my 30s, I was, dude, I was all over the world. I worked for the UFC. I'm on the road with Joe Rogan, doing seminars all over the world. I was just partying all the time going to if, if I didn't have shit to do on the weekend, I'd go to Vegas with my friends and we'd be just like getting, you know, uh, bottles with models. And, and after 10 years of that straight, um, I just realized I, I got to have a kid. I got to get married. I had enough of that. You know, it was just the same old, same old, you know, you spend all this time and money and effort to get some pussy. And then um, you feel like you have nothing to show for it. You feel like you're um, you're just wasting your life. I, that's how I felt. I just felt like, okay, I did it. I got enough pussy. I, I, I'm done with that shit. I need, I need to have a kid, at least one, maybe two or three. Uh, I need to get married. I need to do, I need to have some meaning in my life. And, um, you know, I'm no saint, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm just trying to do the right thing. Sometimes I fuck up, but... I'm just, I'm trying to do the right thing. My son's 11 now. I'm, tr you know, I I'm so happy that uh, he's not, he doesn't have to deal with what I had to deal with. You know, I had no father. My father was never around and I had a stepdad who was a dick. 
And, um, you know, he's 11. I'm like, and I, every day I'm like, damn, I made it to, I made it to his 11th birthday. Shit. You know, we're still gone. I'm going to make this shit till he's 18, you know, <laughs> trying to make it work, trying to do the right thing, trying, you know, my heart is. And, uh, you know, that's all it was. I just, you know, I'm, I don't want to go back to the single life. I don't. I don't. Um, I'd, I'd probably get in trouble or something. You know what I mean? I'd take it too far. But um, uh, that's how it happened. That's it. Yeah. And I th I think that when I see other comics that are only doing it for themselves, like you could be funny or not funny, but there's a, like an emptiness to it. It, there's like a, just a selfishness to it you know i started getting back into one of my ex's life uh more just because uh you know um we have this thing now if if anything happens to her then i'll take over and so i got real involved in like now we're using this word godson he's my godson and i take him frisbee golfing and we just have a great uh time and uh you know but it's like there's if it if it's all for me if if i'm trying to be a get you know into a career for myself there's just there's nothing there it's like you you know it's it's better motivation for me to fight uh for something else you know like yeah my godson. and, and how, how old are you 37 dude that's a perfect age i if if i was on my deathbed right now i would say have at least one kid or two kids because when you live your life when with someone that you would die for instantly that doesn't even need to know you because as soon as your kid is born that kid don't know your his daddy that kid just looking for the tit that's it that kid don't know nothing that's a little that's a little uh fetus don't know nothing but you will die for it you will kill for it without hesitation so when you live life with someone that you will live and die for instantly. You know what I mean? Like you could say that, oh, I have my mom, I'll die for her. You know what I mean? But you know, if she's like 80 and she's on her last legs and someone came up and said, you and your mom, you'd be like, damn, you'd look over at your mom. You're like, mom, uh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> you've, but you've had a good run, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want to take the guillotine for me? <laughs> yeah. But if it's your kid, there's not even a split second of hesitation. So you live your life a little bit different. You do. I do. I live my life. My life is controlled by my, he's, he's the captain of my ship. He really is. Um, uh, and I need it. I need that. And I love him. He tells me he loves me every day. I tell him I love him every day. And that's the most important thing when he tells me he loves me. And he doesn't get, like, he's not, like, embarrassed when I tell him I love him. Because I never got anybody telling me I loved him when I was a kid. You know, my mom was always working, trying to support three kids. I was a single mother. My dad never told anybody he loved him. He had 19 kids. I was his side baby. And my stepdad hated me. So um, I, I'm because of that, because of growing up without hearing anybody say they love you. You know, when I was, when I moved out, the day I moved out, when I was 17 and I moved out, that day my mom told me she loved me. And she's told me she loved me five million times since. You know, but, it, you know, but, you know, growing up, I always felt like, like, um, you know, just, uh, you know, like, oh, nobody loves me. So the most important thing for me is that my son doesn't go through that. 
he does and, and he he gets a lot of love he gets more love than probably anybody me and my wife just shower up with love and happiness and um, I tell him I love him multiple times a day he tells me he loves me back he never gets tired of it I give him multiple kisses a day and that's all that matters to me you know and I'm just trying to keep this ship from sinking you know just trying to keep the jujitsu going you know, I do comedy for fun, man. I'm not trying to be this like famous comic. I do it because it's fucking fun. I love going on stage and just talking shit. I fucking love it. It's so much fun. It's like, uh, it's like uh, the funnest thing when it works. You know, when you bomb, it doesn't work so well. You know, but when it, it, it's working and the audience is is like connected with you and you you guys are just going back and forth and it's a symbiotic thing. That's the greatest feeling ever. And, and then uh, you know, I do, and then I do music. You know, so I'm. My life is all directed by my son. You know, I just, I'm just here for him. I'm just here pushing, working, you know, keeping it going and uh, just doing my best. Your, uh, your story that you tell uh, at Vegas when I was watching you um, of the different modalities of farting and not um, disturbing the class. I think that was (laughs) so funny. I love that bit. (laughs) <laughs> and uh just on a personal note just like I- i've been in green rooms and just some people are just like the most toxic people and uh you and sam tripler have always been so sweet to me you have uh really uh treated me very well and i just really appreciate it hell yeah man i love you man the first time i met you and and uh and, and klaus man klaus jr is just I, that's just a genius uh person i love that person so much and uh i i love you know it's crazy talking to you man like can you yeah so i feel like i just met you <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> well you're, you're yeah well let hold on hold on this gets into tricky territory because you know a lot of people confuse can you believe people confuse me with klaus Schwab jr and it's like people are like him. they're you they're blaming the, like you're blaming the victim though okay like when he's around he just is so abusive and you know um but uh <laughs> <laughs> hey listen i gotta go teach class now yeah bud uh, hey thank you so much for doing this eddie bravo love you very much hey, thank you hey i thank you i appreciate you so much man I'll, I'll talk to you soon and hopefully uh well we're going to austin in september yeah september First, 9 yeah yeah so you'll be opening or uh, klaus schwab jr will be opening maybe you know, i can i don't know we'll see we'll we'll maybe i want to do that show we'll see about okay that. okay we'll see all right man all thank right take you. care love you buddy thank you. all right bye-bye uh, this has been Highway Diary, episode 375 of Ben Fulford and Eddie Bravo. Bye, everybody.